I'm Lemnick Bay II. Have to clarify. And welcome back to Bio of Grey Hat Hacker. Today's episode is going to be all about OSINT, open source intelligence. Um, firstly, I'm going to structure this episode and future episodes in the following manner. We'll lead off with the agenda, intro content, uh, then we'll move into news, recap, QAs, etc. The meat of the topic of the episode, and then probably, you know, closing material, that kind of thing. I just want to have kind of a framework moving forward. In the first episode, I had said that I am a very free-flowing type of content creator, I guess. But um, you should have structure. I do have bulleted notes that I, I read from and that sort of thing. But I want to be able to naturally involve my experiences, my personal experiences, into the subject matter of any episode. Because this is the bio of a gray hat hacker, me. And as I've stated, I don't want to come across like you are going to learn how to actually hack into anything or how to um, learn to program in any given language, for instance. But what you may, may get from me is my experience and my thought processes in whatever you are trying to accomplish as a hacker. I have a lot of experience. And not to put too fine on a point of it, I'm highly skilled. So, take that for what it is. And, you know, be welcome. I want to open up some sort of discourse, whether you are writing in and asking questions. I will gladly answer questions, but I'm not going to tell you how exactly to work with any system that you're working with or how to break any system that you're working with, but I will give you methods. And what has worked for me in my past experiences. So, as I say, today's episode is going to be all on OSINT, OSINT principles, what it is, how it works, um, the, its power, and those type of things. Ah, I actually missed a bullet point. See, this this is good. No, I didn't. That's it in the meat. So we'll get to that in a minute. Again, welcome to Bio of a Gray Hat Hacker. And we'll see you in the content. Welcome back. I've decided to skip out on the news section today and just kind of go straight into it because well to be honest I've I've got to go to school so let's get into it what is informational warfare what does that make you think of what informational warfare is is at its base, using information to facilitate an objective normally revolving around public opinion. Alright? That's at its base. Um, it can be defined in a bunch of other ways, and you can look at Wikipedia if you'd like, but that's my definition of it. So, informational warfare. 
and I'm a hacker who specializes in the use of information to apply leverage to any circumstance or cause or somebody else's cause or objective that we want to achieve okay that's it that's the base and if you need a bit more than that basically an informational warfare person would be like the social engineering uh, hackers but instead of mostly IRL we are mostly on the net okay so they are also skilled in the realm of informational warfare but this is one of the reasons why when public opinion gets swayed strongly to just and y'all are awesome so don't take this in any bad context when public opinion of the hacker is only that you guys and girls breaking boxes or that you're the ones boosting or acquiring data you know that's that's the first image that comes to people's mind and not only is it not correct it's it's not it's not very flattering to your skill set i mean I've got lots of friends that I, I, you know, they'll program circles around me, i.e. hack circles around me, you know, in, in real time. I, I wouldn't want to touch them with a 10-foot pole when it comes to their business. On the flip side... When you're talking about the gathering of information and the use of the gathered information and turning it into actionable intelligence and the sway of public opinion in whatever my objectives are, you won't find many better than me. But we still got to get rid of the stigma that surrounds the hacking culture. Because people think that words don't mean what they mean. Like you hear the word exploit and, oh, that's a bad thing. No, it's not. If you exploit something to work for your benefit, depending on how you're exploiting something and what you're exploiting determines its moral uh, implications it's all of its qualifiers right so people hear these words and go oh no dirty hacker or criminal y you know whenever I use OSINT I am exploiting the fact that it's open source intelligence. These things that I use in my data gather gathering activities are publicly available. I am not going in any, any secured databases. I'm not breaking any boxes. What I'm doing is I'm gathering data, I'm correlating the data, and I'm using the well, just the person's most powerful weapon, but especially for a hacker. If you ask me what is my best tool, it's your fucking mind. The human mind is the hacker's best tool. It's everybody's best tool, but it is. It's our best tool. Um... I get a lot of the newbies, how do I become a hacker? How do I, um, you know, what, what what do I need to learn? What do I need to, to do? Um, 
how do I break a box? Well, that's not the only thing about hacking, bro. Or, or sis. That's not it. So, you have this almost boxed-in perception. And one of the first lessons that any hacker learns is think outside the box. That's not just idle talk. Think outside the box. You need to think outside the box. Whether you're trying to hack the box, protect the box, you have to be aware of your surroundings, whether you are on the net or in your life. And that's why you have so many different types of hackers, both for physical things, for what I normally term to as like soft skills, where the social engineers fall, um, the software side of things, which is where all of our keyboard jockey buddies fall. You know, if you're primarily a programmer who has become a hacker or has always been a hacker and then became, you know, you program stuff. That's a hard skill. And I'm not talking about the level of, I'm talking about it's a physical skill. That's the hard skill of hacking. But what makes the programmer a hacker is when they can do that stuff on the fly and it's just like magic. Like they've seen it so many times that, oh crap, you know, uh, well this is the way that it should be, but I know from my experience that if I add a couple backslashes here and over here, eh, that'll just, you know, clear out that uh, line of code there and it'll cause this result, right? It's not something that you've learned in a book, generally. It's, it's a collection of your experiences or the experiences of other people in the community who have divulged what to do in a given circumstance so that you can apply it to a fresh circumstance. Right? So getting back to the informational warfare type thing and OSINT. As I just said, OSINT is... Open source intelligence. And that's what we were just talking about information is kind of a silly definition to me. Because it, it implies that just by gathering this data, you now have intelligence. That's not really how it works. How it really works is you, you gather all this data. And it is open source. It's open source information, really. You gather all this data you compile all this data, you correlate all this data, i.e. you're looking for patterns and, you know, to apply to a given question or objective. And we'll come back to that in a second. And you are taking this and in some cases you're feeding it through a machine, to, you know, with algorithms and stuff like that. But an old way of doing things it was you and maybe a couple other people on your team, whatever you want to call it. And you're, you're building a picture of how to leverage this information. And that's what intelligence is. It's, it's leverage, leverage, however you say it. It's leverage for any given circumstance. It's, that's it. That's all it is. For instance, the public's opinion of when there's a data breach is, oh my God, shit hit the fan. Not really. Not really. It's more about who's going to get a hold of that data in order to be able to correlate it in such a way that it applies leverage to whomever the person who purchased or acquired data, uh, how, how they're going to apply that. It's potential, is what I'm saying. It's potential. It's not a fact that bad things are going to happen. Normally, 
some people are affected by any given data breach. But it's... That's not the key there. So with OSINT, though, we don't need to break any boxes. We don't need to get into any databases. Locked ones, right? We can apply our methods and our mind to develop an intelligent solution or an intelligence product once we have all that data. And that's how OSINT fits into being a hacker. It's the potential to have this intelligence, this leverage to apply to your two or four your clients, for instance, like in the business world, competitive intelligence. So, I mean, there's there's lots of use for it. Um, most of the Alphabet Boys, I either like the CIA, the NSA, um, like DIA, bunch of them. Google it. It's on Wikipedia. But these organizations have been using OSINT, local law enforcement. These organizations have been using OSINT as a large, and I consider large anything over 50%, large portion of their intelligence gathering efforts. And it's been found to be even more reliable than human, human intelligence, SIGINT, signals intelligence, and what was the other one? Uh, not important. Gathering disciplines. It's, it's more, it's able to be used more than those. In at least 75 to 80% of cases, you don't need to access classified information to have a powerful, uber-powerful uh, intelligence solution. That's, that's statistically been proven. Over, let's see, that since the 70s, so we're now over 50 years anyway. So, OSINT is powerful. Especially if you know how to use it. Which is why a lot of people look at it, especially my portion of hacking as man, this guy's scary. Right? Because I'm obviously I'm gonna uh, take all your money or destroy you or you know attack the individual. I'll be honest, there's there's certain portions in the OSINT realm that I do not, do not do. Because that's where I morally stand on it. Doxing, for instance, I do not dox the individual. I will never dox an individual. Never, ever. I don't agree with it. It's... It's, it's not good business. Period. Whether you're a superstar or, you know, Joe down the street, I'm not going to dox you. If you're a publicly traded business or you're a, um, a business owner in the public space, well, I might. But the thing is, there's going to be a reason behind it. It's not for a, a vindictive thing. It's generally because I'm working. And I'm working on an intelligence product for my client. Whomever that happens to be. 
And it's not going to be, you know, so that we can figure out your your times of day and where your family is and stuff like that. It's going to be revolving around your business assets and how we can leverage information into your arena to give us an advantage. I also don't agree with, like, mudslinging, for instance. I don't lie. That's not some me being holier than thou, but that's bad for my business. If something is, it is. You tell the truth. Even, even when you find dirty information, for instance. If something's going to cause harm, actual harm, to a person, I don't use it. To a business, it's honestly dependent. It's honestly dependent. Because there's totally, totally different levels of where people stand personally or business-wise. I never attack the person. I never have attacked a person when it comes to OSINT. And how I use it. OSINT can be gathered in a couple ways. And it can have uh, many tools are associated with it these days. And there are many, 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 many techniques. Most of the gathering of OSINT is done. Wait for it. Through Google today and here's why the reason it's gathered through Google is because with Google search query knowledge there's nothing that you really can't find on the net on the surface web I mean let's let's be clear and that's huge okay Google actually has 90% of the uh, search engine, yeah, search engine share today. Or it's it's 93%. I, I looked about a week ago. But they have 93% of the search engine share today. Okay? And the thing is, is that so many people, rightly so, are concerned with um, Google's invasion into privacy and a lot of us hackers you know it, it bothers us um you know because we don't want to be tracked so like and why don't we want to be tracked it doesn't necessarily mean that you know we're doing something nefarious or bad some of us are but you know again by whose standards that's not my business but my point is that why don't we flip the script and this is my view on it. Flip the script. Yes, Google is tracking you, but it's also tracking everybody else. And I just told you that the OSINT is a powerful, powerful tool. And Google has 93% of all internet traffic goes through Google. All that stuff is crawled by Google. Why would I go to another tool to find out publicly available information on the net? And I just told you how powerful OSINT is. All of our stuff is public. It's we, the hacker, who turns that public information into into the leverage leverage I apologize I heard that I heard it said that way once and you know sometimes I shift back and forth but we're the ones who turn that information into leverage now the problem with Google that most people see as a boon is you can find anything but you can find lots of anything. The real key to successful searching with Google is eliminating stuff. 
eliminating shit. Not getting more stuff to pile into it. We want to eliminate as many things as we can to decrease the volume, the size of this massive list that we're going to get from any query. And how we do that are generally, they're called advanced search operators. And if I was doing just an episode on Google, and I'm going to, I would say that, you know, they're not actually advanced, but they're higher level than the average user, okay? So the advanced search operators are basic, basic, especially if you're anywhere on the hacking spectrum, okay? Even the social engineers that don't use... uh, I, I, I can't even say that. Um, God, I don't, I don't know if any of us are actually basic, but my point is that it's, it's simple. The, the advanced search operators of Google is simple. And if you don't know the advanced search operators of Google, uh, Google, all you have to do is go into the advanced search link Type in what you want to see, and Google will do the rest of it for you in 90% of cases. And and it'll plug in those advanced search operators for you. Right? It's that easy. Nobody wants to admit to doing that, but we've all done it from time to time. You know, there's times that I've got 10,000 things going through my head, and I forget whether it's in title or all in title, for instance. I've had that happen a couple of times, sure. Or which... Which advanced search operator has been depreciated this year? That happened once. Uh, it was either the related search operator or... Is it links to? That might be the one. Or phone. Phone book. Phone book doesn't really work anymore. Um, that's one that doesn't really work anymore. And has been depreciated. And I was uh, spinning wheels for... And about 10-15 minutes wondering what I was doing wrong. So, you open up the the Google Advanced Search little link in your advanced options there. And, yeah. It, it didn't use it anymore, so. FYI, never be too proud to just go, wait a minute. Let's let's go back to basics. Because that's just a good all-round tip, by the way. If you're ever stuck, go back to the beginning. I know it might seem like a pain in the ass, but go back to the beginning. Take five to ten minutes. Walk away. Go have a cigarette. Go listen to a song. Go do something. Clear your mind. Preferably, if you got a buddy... Whether they're in IRL or, you know, you're in a chat with them or whatever. Send them a screenshot of your problem. Or whatever method so that you can visually show them what you're dealing with. And then they can go, oh, this is the problem. And you'll go, oh, yeah, that's the problem. And you'll continue on. So, with Google... We have these advanced search operators. And that's what we'll utilize to to whittle down the massiveness that is the Google search. I know I'm not touching on very many tools here in that. But the thing is, through those methods, you don't really need any other tools. You'll eventually find the resources that you need in your given search query but there are some tools available but let's say that we're not although there are ways to go through social media and through to search social media through google 
And I just said that's the most powerful tool in OSINT. When we're doing OSINT, a lot of times it's a better idea to use. Like if I was going through uh, social media, I'll use LinkedIn as an example. Facebook is really the big one, and it will be the big one until they disband Facebook or you know social media just stops. It's going to be Facebook. If you're if you're talking about anything on a social level where most people on the net socialize on the surface web, it's going to be Facebook. By and large. If you're talking about more tech savvy people, I'd have to say there's a couple levels of that. And, and we'll, we can talk about that. There's there's specific forums that might be higher or lower rated on information. And I'll talk about the, one of those in a minute. But it's going to be Facebook. But any other social media that you are on for the purposes of OSINT especially I recommend that you have a um, I don't even want to call it a presence but you want a profile you want to have a profile in these spaces at least a profile notice I didn't say a personal profile I do in fact have personal profiles on Facebook and stuff like that but I'm making recommendations for anybody that would want to get involved in OSINT. And if, like me, you have your personal profile, just keep in mind that especially on the net, and as any hacker knows, personas live and die constantly, right? So many people today actually look at their, what we would call our online persona as this super powerful be all end all like this is me. It's not. It shouldn't be. And if you made it you, that's your mistake. If you made it absolutely 100% you, that's your mistake. So you would go through the social media and search through posts. You can search through friends lists. You can search through all the things that are on social media and gather data in that way. I'm not talking about like doxing. Although there is some cross and overlap if you're pursuing certain avenues. But again, me personally, I don't. I don't want anything to do with that. It's all business to me. And that's the way I intend to keep it. But because the techniques are the same, I have to put that warning out there. Don't. Don't go doxing people. I mean, that just that just kind of pisses me off, personally. And I don't agree with it. So, take that for how you will. So, we're not going to dox people on our social medias, but we're going to be using the information that we gather to provide us leverage. And then once we develop the intelligence product, uh, product that gives us or our client or the stakeholder or you, gives you the leverage, it, it's at that point that it becomes powerful. And we were just talking about like the online persona and the misconception of it with most uh, normal users today. That like this is me on the net. Like even even the superstars, it's like no, this this has to be me. Everything's a personal attack or everything's a a personal care. 
It's not. It's ways that you can shift public opinion once you have this leverage. And it's... It used to not be an attack on the individual. Because everybody had their online personas. And if that online persona got destroyed, got killed, got whatever, you'd reinvent. You'd reinvent a new persona. You might have five or six personas that were, you know, in 20 different chat rooms. Some would be in a couple, others would be in a couple others. And nobody could peg you down. And it was fun. So, once we have all the data and we've got this intelligence product, we're going to apply the leverage. We're going to apply it, right? Because it's, it's no good in information warfare if we're not going to use it. With information warfare, and based off of the, the OSINT that we gather, you have a couple options, especially when it comes to public opinion sway. Personally, although I've been trained in the other side of things as well, I like using the truth. I like using the truth. There's lots of people, and you can still use the truth and omit, as we've been discovering in our political climate, and omit facts and information, and still achieve the desired result that you're trying to achieve. Just like we're saying there's an overabundance of information on Google and then people are always saying, oh yeah, well that's a fact, so Google it. Well, be my guest. Because you're not going to get one answer. You're going to get about, what is it? Well, let's call it a billion searches in uh, something like 0.4 seconds for a common search query. Good luck finding fact in that, finding verifiable fact in that, because you're going to have to read through a series of articles, you're going to have to double check with all the uh, legitimate quote unquote sources, and that changes by the day in 2022 so yes, be my guest and tell people, yeah, Google it, it's a fact I mean, I suggest that you Google it to determine the facts. But just because you see something on Google and you didn't do any searching doesn't make it a fact. I'm sorry. But if we either... You don't need to, to lie using your leverage. In fact, that's that's not even the point. And that's that's what makes I I'm a person that I don't want to be feared by people. But that's the perception. That because I know things and I know how to use information. And I know how to correlate information and to analyze patterns. And I know how to uh, use my brain. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. I'm not. It's just, you know, 
people in authority or power don't like the thoughtful individual. Because they're afraid of losing their power. And the thing about the internet that is so ingrained into the world is that those of us that have information and can use information, we're actually the ones with power or the potential to have power. They say that, you know, knowledge is power. Well, you get knowledge through information and intelligence, right? So guys like me, we're the ones that are controlling the information to break it down. We control the information, well, the flow of the information. Does that make us powerful? Sure. Does it mean that we would use the power for bad intent? Not necessarily. And bad intent is all going to depend on what side of an issue you're standing from me. And that's the same with all hackers. It's all going to depend on what side of the issue you stand with a hacker. That's why there is no, no actual hat color. I'll explain. And this is where I'm going to kind of close this episode. Because we've talked about some of my experiences and all this other stuff. And I didn't get into a bunch of tools. But I gave you some direction. I'll uh, be trying to get more cohesive as we go along. But that's where it is. I'll uh, continue with this example that I was going into about there is no hat color. There is no hat color. None. And the reason I say that is, is because I had said before, a black hat is more about um, self-profit versus an issue. Where a white hat is more about the issue versus self-profit. At this stage in the game, everybody knows of Anonymous. Right? Everybody. Hackers. Normal people. Governments. Everybody knows. You know one of the stupidest questions that I get in, well, a couple of them actually, is who's anonymous? That's the first one. And the other question is, how do I join anonymous? I'm not going to bother answering those questions right now. I, I may save that for the next episode. My hacker listeners are probably shaking their heads right now. Really? Yes, I get this question constantly. I have my feelings about the collective. Or the Legion. Or whatever everybody's calling it these days. And the thing is, there's a lot of the attacks and the uses of what they do that I do not like on a personal level. But, but, they aren't all black hats. I bet dollars to donuts that most Anons are white hats. And here's why. Because if you take the white hat, the person that's all about the cause versus profit, I mean, sure, there's spots in these attacks 
that money can be made. And I'm sure there is money that is flowing somewhere. However, there's no way that it's going to like one person, for instance, and there's no way that there's no money being made. But to the white hat, in my definition of a white hat, they only care about the cause. Only the cause. Whatever the cause is. For whoever the cause is. They only care about the cause, not about profit. And caring about profit is not a bad thing. We all got to make rent and eat, right? So, I don't know who ever thought that like, oh, if you only care about money, you're a terrible person. You must be evil. But the white hat doesn't normally, for themselves, care about profit as much, or very nil. This does not make them morally a good person, <laughs> right? That's why I say hacking is fluid, and I'm a gray hat. On some things, I'm very, very rigid on and how you treat people morally and stuff. But I would seriously bet dollars to donuts that 90% of Anons would actually be considered white hat hackers. Because they're all about the cause and not about the money. Then you got the black hats that traditionally as society looks at them, oh, those are the evil fuckers. They're the ones on the dark net and selling all the data and doing all the bad stuff. Just because somebody wants to make profit off of a cause that they believe in doesn't make them a bad person. What if it's the exact same cause? It's the exact same cause, but just an issue of money. Like, they still firmly believe in whatever cause is, but if they ain't getting paid enough, they don't want to get involved. That's just smart. If if I'm not paid enough to get involved in something, even if I believe it from the bottom of my heart, I still got to eat. There's plenty of black hats like that. But again, I consider myself a gray hat because there is no color. There's no color. We're all here. So, with that, I'm going to end it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you want to ask questions and stuff like that, I'm going to figure out a, a forum type thing. I can maybe start doing some uh, fan or whatever you guys want me to designate. You know, some cool, I don't know, little title. I, I'm not good with that kind of shit, to be honest. So, I'll, I'll work on doing that in some future, like I say, episodes. And we'll probably throw that in um, after I go through the agenda of the episode. And, uh, you know, put that in with like either news or Q&A or whatever so thank you for joining me in uh, bio of a gray hat hacker 
And this episode's been all about OSINT. Till the next one. So I wanted to add this segment in because I thought about it after the fact. Please excuse the fan in the background and the dog coughing, but this needed to be done. A few years ago, uh, we were talking about OSINT in this episode, and I wanted to give an example on one time that it definitely proved to be very powerful. I uh, had just started uh, trying to work on my consultancy idea, and I was going to open a, uh, you know, one-man shop for security consulting. But I got to thinking about it like, eh, there's a lot of red tape with that, and I didn't want to deal with it, to be completely honest. So I started scoping out my local competition. And how I did that was I literally just got on Google and I started, you know, looking at local uh, cybersecurity firms and, uh, you know, tech firms, that kind of thing. And I didn't really know like say if I wanted to be in say pen testing or if I just wanted to be like help desk or you know it's just something basic whatever just at that stage so I came across this uh this firm and I'm not going to divulge the name because this was definitely a major major fuck up for them but uh, I come across this firm and they have your basic um, wordpress website up and I can tell just by looking these days uh, whether it's WordPress or not, and it generally is WordPress, just because of the way some of the themes look. Well, we're talking about the hacking tools, and one of the tools that every browser has is the developer tools. How you open these is uh, on PC, it'd be Control Shift I for inspect, or you can right click and open up your developer tools. Now, what that's going to do is it will basically give you um, the background HTML code. You can look at the JavaScript. Uh, there's a couple other functions in there. You can do uh, load testing. Just just simple stuff. It's it's not any sort of uh, massive tool, but it's very useful. And because uh, I've been doing the hacking for as long as I have, I knew some things to look for. And I started noticing that their uh, WordPress theme, for instance, was out of out of date. It hadn't been updated in a while. I started noticing that um, what was one of the other things that I noticed just off the jump. That was one of the major ones. And there was a vulnerability that had been released. I want to say a couple months ahead of time, from the time that I was looking at. Uh, their site and you know their site looked beautiful and all that kind of stuff and they were a relatively successful firm out here they said they're still here so I'm noticing a few other things we'll just leave it at that then I'm like huh I should get a hold of these people because you know you don't want to have this big gaping hole in your security presence at a security firm so I went to their contact page and it had your standard uh, at info of the, the company, you know, talk to us, just a little link. That's normally not good enough to make sure that something's going to go across the webmaster's desk. So the next thing I did was I took the LinkedIn. LinkedIn, if you're not aware, is a social media uh, for professionals. It has about, what, like 400,000 users at any given time. Maybe 500,000 now. So I searched their company using the tool itself. And uh, I found the company. And I found the owner. And I found all... 
17 or 18 of his employees. And I found that someone had left relatively recently in a pretty key position at a security company. And I found a whole bunch of other information. So I took it on myself to, to shoot the owner an email. And I eventually got his phone number as well because these were some pretty major holes like I say especially with that major vulnerability that I had just uh, read about and they had so I shot this email off and I, I told him you know this wasn't a scam or anything like that uh, I actually had some security concerns please give me a call I'm a local dude you know it's on the level So not five minutes after I shot that email, I got a phone call. Um, the gentleman was not very happy in the beginning. Because he had accused me of the only way someone would know that all these things were wrong with his site is if they had penetrated the site itself. So I walked him through my, my findings which I did actually send in that email, just the, just the highlighted bullets in the unclassified forms. And he asked, you know, about my process and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, we got to talking for a minute. And I gave him some recommendations. And uh, I had discussed with him about his, his employees that were on LinkedIn, which is, is normally a good thing for your site, for your business. I'm not saying that your employees should not be on LinkedIn. That that's, you know, how we interact today. But the problem was as a security company, they were leaking a bit too much information into their social media. This is a big no-no. We were talking about how, you know, OSINT is a very powerful tool and they were leaking all this information that a person with my skill set could just have a field day with, to be honest. And that's what I was explaining to him. Like, you know, obviously I'm not going to execute on any of the things that I'm telling you. I just wanted you to be aware. And he had asked me, like, you know, are you working? I'm like, uh, not currently. I, I'm kind of looking for a job. But even in this circumstance... And although I had helped him, I kind of think that he took it as, it, it caused a little bit of fear in his organization. But that just goes to show how powerful OSINT is as a, a tool. And with a little bit of um, in, intuition and leaping between facts, you can develop a, a highly, highly accurate intelligence product. I mean, I was just using that inspect tool that I had talked about in the beginning that is on every browser. I had noticed the, these things. I might have used a couple other plugins, you know, through Google that allows you to do uh, different functions. But... Basically, most hackers, especially newbie hackers, will just automatically reach for Kali, Kali Linux. And, you know, they'll use things like Dig and uh, a lot of the other tools. Kali actually comes pre-installed with 600 tools if you just load up a standard system. I personally have never used more than 20 of them because that's all you need. And you don't even need that 20. It's just, I like that 20. Um... Normally, if I'm going to build a system, it is specific to the task at hand. Myself, I, you know, I would make my own distro. But that's another topic. And just with the OSINT principles and the using the tools that were available in the platforms that I was going through, I had developed this highly, highly um, powerful and leveraging effect. And this guy was another security professional. Power of OSINT is there, folks.
and I can't stress enough if you get good with it you will be able to produce results but because of the perception still in society with us hackers the way that we are it can also cause a lot of fear so tread lightly if you're gonna pursue this kind of thing call yourself a, a, a security researcher or a bug bounty hunter don't say you're a hacker and that is my final piece of advice until we can get people to get rid of the stigma of hackers are bad uh, all hackers are bad it's probably a good idea that we don't say it that often I do because I'm proud of who I am but that would just be my advice to, to the newbies and stuff like that I hope you enjoyed this, ad this added segment we'll see you in the next one